Jigs. Or you owe me a soda. Okay. What do you think for <laughs> I don't even soda? remember. Okay. <laughs> don't even know how that goes. Hello, and welcome back to part two. Do you like it? I don't... Oh, I'm... Intrigued. I have been thinking about this all week. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I think about it sometimes, and then I get grossed out. Yeah. Because there's so many things wrong with it. But I also feel like the adults, a lot of adults in this situation failed a lot of people. Yes. But then I don't know what you can do other than anyways, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, you really need to go back and listen to part one. This is part yes. two of Stephen Platel. And uh, if you have no idea what we're even going to touch upon, go to part one, listen to that, and then listen to part two. Because you definitely need the backstory on this one. Oh, my God. So much happened in part one. Every so every trigger warning from part one is just carrying right over to yeah. part two, and that's yeah. all you're getting. Yeah, everything. So if you don't like people breathing, then that's a trigger warning too, because those <laughs> people, that's what's going to happen in this one. Oh man! So part okay. two, part two. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, actually, you know what? Everybody, we're just going to take a, a deep cleansing breath in. Just you know. hearing people breathe is not, I'm not a fan, but I guess people need to do it in order to live. So. I took in too much oxygen. I'm a little dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just calm down. Here we go. Part you two. can all exhale now. <laughs> Part two, Stephen Bladel, trigger every trigger warning in the world. Here we go. So. Stephen Platel and his daughter, now his wife and Ugh. child and his. So it's his biological daughter, now his wife and mother of his fourth child. Again. Oh, God, I forgot. If all of that is. How did I forget? See part one. Um, so there is an actual term for. What happened with them, if you can oh, believe it or not. I forgot you were going to talk about yes. this, and I'm so interested in this. Yes, and it is called genetic sexual attraction. And Why does that make me feel weird? Dirty. It's going to make you feel even more gross because Ooh. I have a couple of other stories to tell you of people who have claimed genetic sexual attraction. So this, um, term was actually coined in 1980 specifically to describe the attraction that blood relatives or blood related individuals feel especially when they meet for the first time if they've been estranged for a while so god that's so weird isn't it so weird? let me let me ask and yes. maybe you'll get into this uh -huh. is this is this genuine sexual attraction or is this like, you know, when you you meet someone and you feel like you've known them forever. So you have like a an instant connection that it's more than like it runs a little deeper. Is it them mistaking that for sexual attraction? Or no, is this, like this has more to do with kind of the narcissistic side of our psyches. Okay. Like, like the natural attraction to yourself, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I get that. I'm going to let you yeah. just, you keep yeah. going. I, yeah. I won't so ask more I, questions. I'll, I'll explain this. So 
when this happens, there's like an intense physical and emotional like feelings that some people experience following a restored contact between two people. Specifically, this happens when an adopted person and a close ma'am, a close member of his or her birth family are reunited. Okay. Now, some people believe genetic attraction to be a delayed byproduct of a missed bonding opportunity. So th- this actually happens a lot, apparently, and it is talked about a lot, especially in adoption support groups, like huh. people who have placed children up for adoption and then later reunite with them. And this term was actually coined by Barbara Ganoyo after she reunited with her son, Mitch, 26 years after she had given him up for adoption. So the backstory with Barbara is she was 16 when she got pregnant with her son, Mitch. And at that time, it was 1952. And her parents like were like, nope, uh, uh-uh, 16 pregnant. You don't get a teen show in 1952. You actually get sent away. So she was sent away to a girl's maternity home. Where, Which is like where the Catholic nuns looked yeah. after you to make sure you didn't sin more. Exactly. While it, you were living with the current sin. Yeah. So she gave birth and then they sent her home. She said it was very traumatic for her. Obviously, you're 16 right. years old. You're sent away. You have this kid and the kid is ripped from you. Mm-hmm. And she said after that, all she thought about, all she wanted was another baby. So at 18, she remarried, not remarried. She got married for all the wrong reasons and she was pregnant within a month of that of that marriage and she also had two more babies after that in close uh proximity or close succession proximity i don't know succession yeah after 10 years though and three kids she found herself divorced so here she is 28 she has three kids that are with her one child that she gave away you know, prior to that. Um, And quickly after that, she actually married her then current husband. So after that, Um, after 26 years of being married to her new husband and raising her three children, she finally found the son that she had given up for adoption, Mitch, from when she was 16. And they reunited. And she said that as soon as she met Mitch, she immediately felt this maternal love for him. And it was all just strictly maternal. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, She said it was later that that feeling manifested into intense sexual fantasies about him. Hmm. And she like knew right away, like that she was like, she desired him. Now, I don't know, Barbara, I don't know. I don't think I would have done what Barbara did next, but she did express these feelings to her son. Okay. And open communication is important. Yeah. And Mitch did not feel the same. (laughs) Like I identify with Mitch. Mitch was like, 
oh, that's weird. No, thanks. And Barbara was convinced that this attraction was not abnormal. So she began to study and interview others with the same experience, especially in instances when it's a child and a parent and the child is estranged because of adoption and then they're reunited. And through her studies, she actually wrote a book called The Forbidden Love, Genetic Sexual Attraction, which was explaining the uh, bond between two relatives that, like I was telling you before, is a product of missed missed bonding. Um, That would have taken place if if these two members of the same family had never been separated. Right. So even though genetic sexual attraction is said to be rare, there have been dozens and dozens of reported cases of close relatives falling in love with each other after reconnecting as adults. So I have another story for you in particular, and I actually found this story a while ago and I was going to do a separate um, episode on this, but there's, I mean, it's really cut and dry and it just falls so neatly into this one. Um, so wait, are we done with Stephen Plato? No, we're going to go on to Stephen oh, Plato. Okay. I'm just, I, I was just, like, I I thought that there was going to be no, more to this there's story. there's more okay. to Stephen Plato. I just want to talk to you more you about... You want to lay the groundwork here. Yeah, okay. about genetic sexual attraction. And, I gotcha. and just so you know how often it does happen. Okay. Um, so in 2016, Patricia Spann, 43, and her daughter Misty Spann were arrested and charged with incest after they got married. So, yes, a mother and a daughter got married in 2016. Now, unfortunately, though, Patricia Spann also married another one of her children. So, this was her second child that she had been married to. How does this happen? I'll tell you. So when Patricia was super young, she had three kids right off the bat before she was 18. Cody, Jody, um, who were the boys, and then Misty. Now, since she was so young and she had no means to care for them, um, they were mostly with their biological father, James Spann. Okay. Patricia was married to James Spann, but then for unknown reasons, they got a divorce and Patricia lost custody of all three of her children. Now, in 2001, James passed away and the children were still pretty young. So his mother adopted and raised those three children. They even had her name placed, changed and placed on the birth certificate. Uh, So that the grandmother was now listed as the mother. That's weird. Because Patricia pretty much was out of their lives and just gave up all rights, custody, everything. But that doesn't change who your mother is on your birth certificate. They were able to amend the birth certificate and change it. Why would they do that, though? I have no idea. That just seems like... Yeah, it seems odd. Because even when children are adopted by someone not related, you don't change the birth certificate. Yeah. So I don't know how this happened. This is also Florida. So that gives you kind of a a, a bird's eye view. I wonder if like grandma was enabling mom. <sighs> I don't know. I, and I don't know what the deal was. All I know is, is that 
Patricia had them super young and then she was out of their lives and huh. her ex-husband's mom raised them. So later in 2007, 17 years later, she was actually reintroduced to her three children, but she does not tell those three children that she is their actual mother. She just introduces herself as Patricia. Hi, I'm, I'm just Patricia. I'm just a friend. In 2008, she tricks one of her sons, Jody, into marrying her. Ugh. Jody files for an annulment 15 months later when he apparently finds out that she is actually his mom. Apparently, Can you imagine no. how traumatizing that would no. be for him? He didn't know. Now, Patricia claims that she only married him to protect him from being deployed into military services, which I did not understand. That doesn't protect him. Oh, he yeah, can still go. How that works. But again, I think we're talking Florida. Anyways, Jody claims that Patricia threatened him when he announced that he was going to annul the marriage. Then, so that was in 2008, right? Mm -hmm. Then in 2014, she strikes up a relationship with her biological daughter, Misty. And again, Misty, in one story I read, Misty knew she was her mother. And in another story I read, she didn't know. That was I don't mother. see how she couldn't know unless exactly uh, when unless Jody kept it a secret just out of shame. Uh, I don't know. Again, crayons. Uh, I don't know. They're not bright. Uh, they hit it off in March on March 26, 2016. They traveled to a near a neighboring county to get married. Authorities eventually arrested and charged both the women with incest because in the state of Oklahoma, where they traveled to get married, it is illegal to pursue love between family members. So they both were held on $10,000 bail and the courts granted Misty an annulment in 2017 and none of her biological children have contact with her now. No Good. shit, because she wants to marry all of them. I... I'm thinking about like that, the other son that didn't. Do you think that Misty and Jody like secretly hate him because he didn't have this done to him? <laughs> I don't know. Or he's like, you guys are dumb. You guys married mom. I didn't. <laughs> God, that's so fucking creepy. Isn't that creepy? Uh huh. So a study, so that was just like another case that I had read about uh -huh. after finding it was a part of the whole genetic sexual attraction that I was researching. Um, but a study. You are on a weird list with the CIA I right know, now. I know, I know, I <laughs> know. Um, then there was a study published in 2003 that reported that 50% of reunions between siblings or parents and offspring separated at birth result in obsessive emotions and genetic sexual attraction. 50%. That is insane. Yeah. And then a related study in 2011 by the University of Illinois, they published something called Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin that found and talked about how people appear to be drawn to others who resemble their relatives or themselves because it is just our human narcissistic tendency mm -hmm. to like who 
like mirror images of ourselves, not literal mirror images, but yeah, you like all the same things I like. You look similar to me. Like it's almost like you're falling in love with yourself. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of the Freudian theories, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I read another case that I didn't even talk about on here or that I didn't write down in my notes, but it was a, a daughter and father who were reunited after being separated, much like um, Stephen and Katie, uh, but they were reunited. And she said that she was married or no, she had a boyfriend. He was married. Immediately, the wife, her biological father's wife was like, there's something wrong with this. They would spend every minute of every day together. If they weren't together, they were texting. And then the wife divorced her biological father. She broke up with her boyfriend and they've been together ever since. That is so And I think they're going on like, 15 years now really yeah it's bonkers i don't understand and they just introduced themselves as boyfriend and girlfriend for people who really don't know the story they they don't tell people obviously that they're actually father and daughter well yeah because they would have no friends yeah yeah so apparently steven isn't out of the norm Katie isn't out of the norm, but it is still evidence-based information or not. The whole situation is still fucked up. And to make matters worse, Stephen, we're now back to Stephen Plato. Mm-hmm. Stephen is just a horrible, abusive monster who oh, has yeah. a history of grooming young girls in order to control and manipulate them like he did with Alyssa. Right. And if you don't remember, Alyssa is the biological mother of Katie. So to kind of speed you up on things, Stephen and Alyssa had a daughter named Katie. They gave her up for adoption. She came back and was reunited with them when she was 16. And then Stephen and um, Katie, the 16-year-old, fell in love, got married, have a child together. Everyone is besides themselves, but still supportive, which is odd. All the while, um, Stephen has custody of his mm-hmm. other two biological daughters. Yes. Who are Katie's sisters. Yes. Well, he doesn't have he doesn't have custody. He he because remember, he has a restraining order, a no contact order with Alyssa. He has a no contact order with the two uh oh, with now Katie's that, sisters. Now that they're arrested, but before they had before, shared custody. Yeah, they had shared custody, Ooh. which is weird. Yeah. So after Katie was arrested along with um Stephen Plato for incest and basically, you know getting married under false pretenses because on their uh, marriage license, they listed that they were not related, even though they were related. Mm -hmm. She was quickly released and she moved back with Kelly and Tony. Remember Kelly and Tony are her adoptive parents. Um, Yes. And she worked out a visitation schedule with her mother-in-law or her grandmother, really. Because remember, she was able to visit baby Bennett every Tuesday and Thursday in Waterbury, Connecticut, where her mother-in-law lived. Mother-in-law, so grandmother. Mm 
So a few months go by, and it actually seems that the distance uh, from Stephen's grip was actually really good for Katie, Uh because it was almost like they described it as a fog lifted from her her mind right and she realized how fucked up the situation was she was like holy fucking shit i am married to my dad and i have a baby with him see and how much of that could have been avoided if her parents had just been like you know during the the point in the marriage ceremony they're like if anybody disagrees if her dad had just been like um excuse me I, i have a really small objection here I would have done everything I could to prevent this. But again, we're not in their shoes. No, we're not. No, we're not. I hope I never am. I know. But she continues to make her weekly visits to see Bennett. Um, And you know what's really sweet is Tony, her adopted dad, takes her every single time. It is a long drive. I think it's about like three or four hours um, each way. And so uh, her adopted father would take her. Every single time. That's sweet. And then she also starts to get her future college and career plans back on track. The plans that she had uh, before she reunited with Alyssa and Steven about becoming, you know, a designer and an artist. And um, she starts looking into enrolling into community college again. So things are like seeming to kind of like settle She's she can see clearly now the rain is gone, as the song would say. (laughs) And so in April of 2005 of 2018, Katie decides she's done. She's officially done. She wants to end her relationship with Stephen. And despite the no contact order that she has with Stephen, um, she decides she still needs to call him and break up with him. So she calls Stephen and she says, this is over. I am done. We are no longer together. I want to get an annulment or divorce, whatever. Well, because we all know that Stephen is so mild tempered and even keel. Yeah, he's uh, such a chill guy. He's such a chill guy. Really, really nice and respectful of people's feelings. Um, He obviously did not take the news very well don't say yeah and chaos unfortunately ensues okay so i mean it's been pretty chaotic thus far if you're asking hey cat how bad does it get it gets really bad guys so buckle up here we go on thursday april 12th at 9 a.m police in nightdale um North Carolina respond to a call that came into 911. And the caller was actually Stephen Plato's mother, Grace. Remember, she has custody of Bennett. Mm-hmm. She was calling to request a welfare check on Stephen because he had picked up baby Bennett the night before. Now, again, Grace has custody of Bennett. Katie has been coming to visit Bennett. Um, and she can come and make her visitations as long as she stays with the mother-in-law while she's visiting. Mm-hmm. Steven still has contact with baby Bennett. And the judge made no like condition that he couldn't take baby Bennett with him to his apartment. It wasn't like they said, you need to stay with your mom when you see baby Bennett. He was right. able to take the baby with him. So I'm going to play you um, some audio of this call 
that Grace, Stephen's mom, makes to 911. Okay, add us to the emergency. Yes. Um, uh, my son just called me, and uh, he told me he... Oh, my God. Uh, he killed his, his baby, and he's in the house. Okay, you said that he told you he killed his baby. <gasps> Okay, ma'am, listen to me. What's your name? Okay, tell me exactly what happened. His wife broke up with him over the phone yesterday, and he told me, she's in New York, and he told me he was on his way. He called me last night and said he's on his way. He's going to bring the baby to her, and then he was coming back. So police agree to do a welfare check because, again, she's worried about Stephen. She doesn't know where he is. All she says is that that he took the baby last night and he was going to um, take it to Katie, but she doesn't know where he is now. Um, So when police arrive, they enter the apartment and unfortunately they find uh, a dead baby in the mm-hmm. small upstairs bathroom closet and nobody else is home. Really? Yeah. Now, 20 minutes prior to this discovery, so this was bef- 20 minutes before the police entered Stephen Plato's apartment to find uh-huh. uh, the dead baby, which we presume now is baby Bennett. Um, right. About 600 miles away, or 600 miles north in New Milford, Connecticut, at an intersection on Route 7, a bystander who also happened to be a New York State firefighter calls 911 to report a shooting that just took place in the middle of the road. Oh. Yeah. The caller says, and I quote, someone just went by and shot this guy in the truck. And then he goes on to describe to 911 that the victim's car was at a stop sign when the gunman drove around two other cars, pulled up next to the truck that was at the stop sign and began shooting. Wow. And right in the middle of the road, the witness. And also very clear that this guy is targeting the specific person. Exactly. He was able to give dispatch a description of the gunman. And he said that he was driving a light blue minivan with North Carolina registration. And that after he fired a bunch of shots into the car, he fled the scene. Now, once it was safe. The caller approached the truck that had just been shot out and told 911, we need the police. We need everybody. There's two people in the car. And he confirmed that the two people in the car were dead. So in the 911 call that Grace had made to police earlier, she stated that Stephen picked up the baby from her on Wednesday evening right. and he was going to return the baby later on that evening. But then he told his mom that he was going to drive the baby to Katie in the morning since it was Thursday and it was her day to visit with Bennett and then come back with the baby. Now, when he called her early that morning, he told her exactly what happened. So Okay, so... Sorry. So yeah. Wednesday. Yes. Stephen takes Bennett home. Yes. And at some point he says, hey, I'm not bringing him back tonight. I'm going to drive up to Connecticut and we'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. 
And Thursday morning is when he calls his mom and says, hey, I killed everyone. Or I, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm really pissed off about right now here is that the mom knew of the no contact order that Stephen had with Katie. Right. So the fact that she thought it was okay for Stephen to drive the baby to Katie, especially when he would like baby Bennett was never supposed to go to Katie. Katie was coming too. Right. Right. Is what yeah. is. And so Grace is like, what? Cool. Yeah. Like we never brought the baby to Katie. And then she comes here because that's what the what is ordered by the court. But she called and broke up with him over the phone, which also was a weird statement for her to make. That is a weird statement for her to make. But that's what happened. Right. But she's also in a moment of sheer panic. And if that's the only way she can articulate it, that. She still got the pertinent information out that That's she knew. True. It's just That's that whole true. call was very strange. It was very strange. And remember, that call happened 20 minutes after the first 911 call that where the bystander saw somebody shoot into another car. Right. So as soon as that bolo went out for that suspect in the shooting, um, police were in full force at 8.40 a.m., New York state troopers found the Honda minivan five miles away across the Dutchess County state line on Dogtail Corners Road in the town of Dover. The engine was still running and it was off on the shoulder of the road. Okay. The gunman that was described was found inside and was dead of, a, of an apparent gunshot wound to the head. Oh. So at this point, by mid morning on Thursday, Four people were now confirmed dead. And those yeah. four people were Bennett Platel, seven months old, Katie Platel, 20, her adopted father, Anthony Fusco, 56, and the murderer, Stephen Platel, who was 42. Oh, my God. Yeah. So as it turns out, Katie and her adoptive father, Tony, were on their way to Waterbury, where Stephen's mom lived, right, to make their mm-hmm. weekly visitation to baby Bennett. And as news of the tragic murder spread, like everybody was in shock. They were like, what the actual fuck? Steven's attorney, Rick Friedman, he had said he had breakfast with Plato just a month ago and that Plato gave no indication of such violence. And he said... A month is a long time. Exactly. And also, Steven has shown signs of violence his entire life. Exactly. I even wrote in my notes because Rick makes a quote in an article saying, uh, this really bothers me a lot because no one ever could have predicted this. Uh, yeah. Excuse me? I think we all could have predicted something like this Uh Um, obviously many were left devastated by these turn of events Alyssa not only lost her biological daughter and grandson that morning but she also lost the father of all of her children (laughs) Uh, like that's a lot Right. And regardless of the fact that they did not have a good relationship and all of that, that's still the father of your children. Well, and just everything he had put her through and Uh just just it's a lot. So she struggled to make sense of it all. In an interview, she said, I'm grieving. I'm sad. I'm upset. But I also want to have something good come out of this. If it's to get the truth out there to open people's eyes to incest. 
Um, to this day, Alyssa still believes it was a shocking failure on the state's part to give custody of baby Bennett to Stephen's mother, which I agree. I think part of Alyssa wished that they gave Bennett, baby Bennett to her, which because she is also... I mean, we talked about this last episode, but she had zero rights to him. That's true. But she but what rights did Stephen's mom have to the baby? Biological. She had an actual blood tie to him. Alyssa had a blood tie to baby Bennett because that's her daughter's son. For a second, you know, I actually dissociated and I forgot that that existed there yeah i don't <laughs> because you're not used to thinking of that no whole, i'm not that whole like incest this is factor like, this is not a a family tree this is like a family blackberry bush. yeah it is so i feel like mom steven's mom grace enabled a lot of steven's reckless behavior um when he was arrested that first time they took away all of his guns that was a part of his bond, like conditions of his bond, that he could not be in direct possession of firearms. Right. Um, so she let him keep his stash of guns at her house. Wait, they didn't seize them? No. What? Yeah. How are you going to tell someone that, like, you know, legally you can't have any guns, but... um, Just get rid of them, we're just okay? We're going to trust you. Hey, Steven, you seem like a stand up guy. Just get rid of those guns. Okay, buddy. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you in a few years. Exactly. So um, she also doesn't understand Alyssa when talking about all this, how and why Steven was still allowed contact with his son when he was prevented from being in contact with everyone else because of the danger he presented with Alyssa, with his daughters, with Katie, but he still allowed contact with his son. Yeah, and especially because of the way he treated Katie as an infant. Yeah, yeah. The court placed no legal restriction preventing Stephen from visiting Bennett or taking him away from Grace's home, yet they placed that on Katie. So, the only reason that I think maybe they placed that on Katie is because she lived in a different state and so far away, and there's the whole kidnapping thing. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Because Stephen lived so close, he's not fleeing out of the jurisdiction, but Katie would be. Yeah, that's true. That's the only thing I can think of there. Yeah. Because once the child is out of their jurisdiction, it's harder to get him back in. Yeah. So Alyssa goes on to say that she believes that as soon as anyone is brought up on charges of incest, they should not be allowed to be near minor children, which I give a big, huge duh to right. that. And I'm sure that's the case in some states. Maybe it wasn't the case in North Carolina. So after the investigation, police pieced together what happened. They believe that Stephen made his decision to go on the killing spree after Katie told him she was done with the relationship. Yeah. So they pieced it all together. They claim that he picked up Bennett from his mother on Wednesday and brought him back to his apartment where he killed Bennett right away. Mm. So Bennett had probably been dead since the morning. He was killed and placed in the upstairs bathroom. While baby Bennett had no signs of trauma or injury, it was determined by autopsy that he had died of asphyxia after his torso was squeezed. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
and that he was probably then smothered with a pillow and then left in the closet. Oh, my God. Then he left to make the nine-hour drive, because it was 500 miles away, to Katie's adoptive parents' house, where he waited for them outside of their home from the parking lot of the Wingdale Liquor Store on April 12th. Now, there is actual surveillance video that you can access online, and it is super creepy because you see the Steven in his blue minivan waiting in the parking lot. And as soon as you see Katie and her father's car pull out of their driveway and their Mm -hmm. pickup truck and turn right, you see Steven pull out of the parking lot and follow them. And just knowing the events that were going to happen minutes later, it's just, it's really chilling to watch that video. Yeah. Now, Henricio County said in a statement that there was nothing in Plato's history that suggested he was about to embark on a murderous rampage. And I'm like, uh, sorry, there were no red flags. Like, there, when, no one when saw every flag factors. is red, exactly. Like, they all you, look the same. Yeah. I was like, excuse me, come on. So, uh, Katie, her son Bennett, and her father Anthony were all laid to rest together at St. Charles uh, Bormio Church in Dover Plains the following Saturday. Kelly Fusco was presented with an American flag in honor of her husband who spent 30 years in the Coast Guard before becoming a corrections officer. Mm-hmm. Um, it is actually unknown where Stephen Plato was buried, but I don't really give a fuck. No, I don't uh, care. No. Ironically, Katie chose this quote by Frida Kahlo to post on the homepage of her blog. She had a blog where she would often like just write about her thoughts and post pictures of her latest artwork. And on like just the, you know, the banner of the homepage of her blog was this quote. At the end of the day, we can endure much, much more than we think we can. Ooh. Yeah. And I just thought that was, that was just fitting. That's so sad. Yeah. So that's it. That's the end. It is my turn next week. And I have, I have a case that I don't know how to feel about and um, not in a good way. Oh, okay. Yeah. A lot of complicated feelings, but um, I, initially I wasn't going to cover it. And I think because it's so complicated, that's why I decided to keep going with it. Oh, all right. I'm intrigued. It's, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll talk about it next week. All right. Awesome. I, I'll probably still be conflicted over this one. Which, <laughs> man, there's no closure here. There's no closure. And it's sad. And it's, uh, it's sad. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, you're not. No, I'm really not. Because this was very interesting. It was extremely interesting. The whole genetic sexual attraction still kind of throws me for a loop. But I mean... Yeah, you might want to just in Google right now, just uh, look up like fun pictures of kittens and puppies. Just to like... Actually, you know what? No, if you're going from (laughs) researching this to researching puppies, the FBI agent assigned to you is going to like start taking more notes. Probably. (laughs) 
<laughs> God. Um, but yeah, so I, I suppose we'll uh, see you next week, hopefully. Yep, and I'll suffer along with all of you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.